I have always loved Dream, which is Kevin podcast. Let's all take a collective breath together. In through the nose and out through the mouth. Arriving in the collective space. Imagining that all of the listeners that have ever listened to this episode are standing to your right and your left. Imagine yourself in some kind of beautiful space in nature, maybe your favorite one. And it's nighttime and you can see the Milky Way above you. There's a fire in the middle of the circle as we all stand hand in hand. Ready to embrace the subconscious, allowing ourselves to rest in the collective action of allowing the psychic forces to take over. Maybe letting yourself sway right to left. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Letting yourself be fluid. And just checking in with yourself. How do you enter this circle? What's on your heart? What's on your head? How does your body feel? I'm entering the circle a little spacey. Excited, sober, grateful. How do you enter the circle, Jess? I enter the circle spacey too and with joy. Today I feel really happy right now. Well, Stacey's the perfect vibe for Pisces season podcasts about weird and prophetic dreams. Uh, I think we left the narrative a little bit loose, so I'm going to be surprised by what Jess says. And Jess will probably be surprised what I have by what I have to say, and uh, we'll find out all together where we're going to explore. Pisces is the 12th sign of the Zodiac, so it's the um, end of the Zodiac year and they say uh, that Pisces is the culmination of all the other signs um, and which which points to the Pisces predisposition to be empathic uh, to be able to relate to all kinds of people um, which can um, be the light side of the shadow aspect of losing the self, uh, losing the self in nature and experiences and other people. Um, Pisces is a water sign, uh, a mutable sign, said to be very adaptable, um, sort of the if you imagine um, a body of water at the surface level, so it's the fastest moving. Um, temperature changes most often so Pisces are said to be moody sensitive, emotional um, dreamy mystical uh, 
some Pisces personalities are described as aloof. They seem to be a little bit in another world. Uh, they require lots of grounding, um, but also very imaginative and very uh, softies, romantic softies. Also, also the wise wise men and women and people of the of the zodiac um that's because it's the last sign um so old souls um pisces is said to kind of fall into delusion um addiction is a propensity um which is natural if you think about losing the self and just being sick and tired of the world if you're an old soul <laughs> and my son is in Pisces um and Jess has her son in Virgo so we're at so we share a, a path of service of the zodiac the the line between Pisces and Virgo is the path of service and they say that Pisces is service to the collective and Virgo is the service to the personal um and we are recording this in the last decan of Pisces of 2022. So Jess is going to talk about the tarot card that represents that space. Take it away. Yes, the Ten of Cups. The Ten is a number of completion, but also of a new beginning. And as it is Cups and it is Pisces, it has to do with our emotions so getting to a place of being let's say at peace with what we feel in regards to ourselves and to others and be at peace if we have follow our intuition and our heart and if not then it is a call to do it and the card that I'm seeing it's like a couple and there's a child and the cups are on the on the sky which is appropriate for like the dreamy things but how dreams do relate to our hearts really and there's a dog barking but heavy dreams are full of emotional content And we can experience these emotions even stronger in dreams that, or at least I have experienced emotions stronger on my dreams than in waking life. I wonder if you also have this experience of feeling dreams being more real than waking life has ever felt. Um, but also this Ten of Cups is a call to action. I think of it as when you're about to be born, you know, like if, if you're a baby inside your mother's womb, like oh, comfy and comfortable, and then the, com the time comes for you to go out to the world. I feel like this Ten of Cups is that moment when you are like, oh my God, I have to go. <laughs> I might not want to, but... But you cannot stay in this space of bliss forever, I think. 
But like the memory of it is like what carries you or that what could carry you through all the crazy things like prophetic dreams and other crazy experiences, <laughs> knowing that somehow we can go back to that comfy, comfortable space that is within ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think you have described the essence of my life is that feeling of oh <laughs> oh I feel I feel seen and embarrassed but what are you gonna do <laughs> no don't. I love that you feel seen because I this is a work that a personal work that I'm doing of helping women women feel and know that they are seen and recognize and that there's no shame in being who we are. That's the work of my life. Good. I like it. Um all right. So precognitive dreams. I've decided to tackle to tackle to tack to take that on. Tackle that topic. There's too many T's. Um And so in preparation for this, I researched or listened to and thought about um, a few different resources. One was a um, an episode on the Dream Journal with Catherine Bell, the podcast and radio show. She interviewed a futurist um, paranormal writer, um, specialist in um, precognition's role in dreams and creativity. His name's Eric Wargo. So I listened to that, and I also am going to reference a letter Carl Jung wrote to a friend, and also um, Kelly Bosley's book, Lucretia the Dreamer, um, as an example of a historical event regarding a prophetic dreamer. And um, I guess I'll start off with my personal experience. Uh, I'll say that to the end so that you can listen to my spiel and then uh, have a little break but I'll start with my I'll start with my personal experience um, my first precog directly precognitive dream that um, sort of I couldn't avoid or explain away um, it was in 2014 I was fast asleep And uh, I woke up because it was a sharp pinch on my hand. I'm sure Jess has heard this story. Um, and I looked down at my hand and there's a perfect circle. And I'm like, that hurt. What? And I'm looking for a kind of bug. I'm trying to recreate it with my nails to see if I had done that to myself. And nothing could recreate that circle. So I just went back to sleep. And um, the next day, I was down by the beach and reading a book and there was this young man that came up to me and asked me if I wanted to chat and we ended up having a decently long conversation on the beach. He asked me to go um, to go to this spot nearby where there's these cliff dwellings that you can go jump and swim in the ocean when there's low tide and so I I went with him and his friends, and as I got out of the water, I hoisted myself up onto the rock, and then I felt that same pinch. 
And I looked down at my hand and it was the same spot and it was a perfect circle. It was a barnacle. And I just about flipped out because I was like, that is the most insignificant thing to have to be precognitive. What does that it means nothing? Um, and but I but I knew that was what caused that and and you know, where I was living at that point in time, there were a few precognitive events, not just related to dream work, actually. Um, and that's something that Eric Wargo talks about is how the liminal space can be precognitive, whether that is that could in waking life or dream or, or the dream. Um, we can have these moments that we tap into during uh, meditation, um, creativity, just like artistic, you know, uh, slips of the tongue, um, all kinds of things. I'm sure. I'm sure each of you out there listening are thinking of something that you have uh, experienced yourself. And you know, I'll just share another one. While I was on, I was living on an island at the time. And I was walking with the person that I was staying with. We were walking down the street in the middle of the day. I just like felt this. I felt like everything moved and everything, like something had moved um, and I had to stop and I was like, touch my balance. And I asked my friend, did you feel that? And they were like, what are you talking about? I had no idea what just happened. So I just kind of shook it off. And then the next day I'm laying down about to go to bed and there was an earthquake. And that is how, that was what I felt the day before was that exact same feeling. So whether I felt the motion, you know, a, a, a micro tremor or it was precognitive, I'm not sure, but I was, you know, sensitive to pick up on it. And um, I think it, I think sometimes it takes a, a certain personality type or a certain predisposition towards, towards consciousness or life to pick up on these things or to look for them. And I will admit, I've looked for precognition in my dreams for a long time and taken very literally and seriously dreams I've had to the point where I do things that I shouldn't do in my waking life. Um, I can't think of it a good example right now. I'm sure if I if I had thought of something before I could, but it's like uh, you know, oh I dress a certain way and, and or I I dream of someone I and oh this is a good example. Um I had a soulmate dream of someone, I call them soulmate dreams because they feel like just, oh, beautiful love, like the most beautiful type of love with a partner. And in this dream, my partner had a white truck and I was like on the lookout for a white truck. I told my friends, my future partner is going to have a white truck. <laughs> and then I go on this date with this guy that I, you know, giving me all kinds of red flags but he had a white truck and I was like it's gotta be him and I ended up making a mistake so there's that there's that there's the you know it might sound groovy to like have precognitive events happen to you and it's like well there's a shadow side friend um anyway so I will continue with some of these resources um Eric Wargo's book is called Precognitive Dreamwork and the Long Self. Um, he says that we have a tendency to look for, um, to look at the dreams that, like, to look for the dreams that came after an emotional upheaval, but we should be looking for dreams that came before the emotional upheaval because 
His idea is that, you know, we have to turn our understanding of causality on its head, our cause that our, our beliefs about causality is that it only moves in one direction. But the question is, is this, is this so? Um, and so he says that we're mostly predisposed to having a precognitive dream when, um, when we, when there are experiences in life with a, what he calls the double emotional balance, something that's positive and negative at the same time. So he says conflicting emotions are a magnet for the precognitive brain. Um, he uses an example of like a, a disaster, which you know seems like it's fully bad, but I guess if you're if you have any distance from it, there's kind of a relief that he says no one talks about, like oh it's not happening to me, and I'm great, and it makes you think about being grateful for your life um so they are this double-edged sword um i don't know that that's true for me i think lately at least (laughs) i just feel bombarded by tragedy after tragedy i can you know i'm only leaning on artwork at this point to to um digest and process emotions but that's the claim. So do with it. Do with it what you may. Um, he says the vast majority of precognitive dreams are about trivial events, which is entirely my experience. I thought at one point about writing a book about this, just because in preparation for this episode, I had a whole week of irrelevant precognitive dreams. Um, on Sunday, I this was this was last Sunday. I dreamt of. Um, this photo shoot for work and we were trying to find a location to um to do the photo shoot at and I woke up and I was like oh I think the photo shoot is coming up I knew it was sometime in March but I didn't know when and that day I got an email giving us directions for the photo shoot and apparently they were confused about where to um where to have it at so there was that and then this one's a little bit more silly. Later in the week, there was a dream I had about this person has two little dogs. One of them was named, named Nadia. It was spelled N-A-D-J-A. And then I was in a meeting the day after and somebody said there was, you know, a colleague named Nadia that wanted to connect. And I was just like, huh, oh, I had a dream. She was a little dog. I hope I meet her one day. Um, <laughs> this is seemingly pointless thing. Um, and then the question is, how can you identify precognitive dreams before they happen? And Eric's claim is that you can't. Um, and he works on debunking this idea that they feel different. And, you know, I was a little bit averse to this, as I usually am. Um, <laughs> just because I've met people who, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it transcends precognition when they know something is just about to happen. Like they get there just in time because they dreamt that, you know, their dead brother woke them up and said, "Mom's about to have a heart attack," right? And then they go and they actually do say, "This is actually a story that someone I worked with told me um, that happened to her." So I think maybe that's more of an extreme example. Um, but he says most most precognitive things you can't tell are going to happen until after the fact which you know what use is it for then um is the question and i'll get into that in a second um 
And then I looked up, what does Young say about precognitive dreams? And uh, there's just this one simple letter, which I got a kick out of. It says, Dear Freud Affect, May 7th, 1947. Precognitive dreams can be recognized and verified as such only when the precognized event has actually happened. Otherwise, the greatest uncertainty prevails. Also, such dreams are relatively rare. It is therefore not worth looking at the dreams for their future significance. One usually gets it wrong. Yours truly, C.G. Young. (laughs) So, there's that. Um... So then why are we talking about it, right? It's just so exciting. There's something so exciting about these things because they feel mystical and maybe that's an issue. Maybe maybe the issue is that we it, it feels so other to these to have these very natural parts of ourselves that do these things so naturally and um, you know, we almost put it on a pedestal. But it's if it's a natural part of us, why isn't why isn't it normalized? And I guess that's the question. Um, so just referencing Eric a little bit more, um, he says the way our brain processes information gives us the illusion of moving forward in time. Um, why do we have precognition in dreams? Precognition has a lot to do with memory or is memory that we have memory of our future experiences and it works neurobiologically the same way past memory slash learning experiences work. The growing consensus among sleep researchers is that dreaming is consolidation and creation of long-term memories out of short-term memories. For example, there's an experience of waking life. That night, your REM processes this, REM sleep, uh, rapid eye movement, and we experience this as dreams, which are the processes of synapses being activated and reinforced, connecting the new experiences with things that are in your long-term memory, reinforcing existing synaptic connections, to reinforce what you know, encoding new experiences and old experiences are relevant to life wither away. If our future experiences are impacting us, and this is where it gets interesting, along with past, then the dreaming process is incorporating and encoding future learning experiences as well as past ones. Dream work helps to reframe the past. Um, so thinking about, about this, um, it's like, if, you know, it makes sense to me to put it in terms of like, I know how I want to feel in the future. This is like a mindfulness exercise that they, that you practice. It's like, if you can't, if you don't know what you want in the future, then you focus on how you want to feel. And then you just sit there and practice feeling that. And then it'll become true. And it's like, oh, that that is, that is task-oriented self-work to do that. And so we can lean on our dreams to do that too if we have a dream that's so magical and beautiful and like you said Jess like sometimes those those emotional experiences are way more vivid and way more present then we can utilize those to like oh I want to feel like that again and then we can eventually maybe work our way towards being able to feel that you know that's possible so that's maybe that's how I understand it um and I would love to hear hear your experience um with that i just have one more thing to add um there's a book called lucretia the dreamer written by kelly bolsley and it's about a young woman in the 16th century spain whose prophetic dreams led to her arrest and torture by the inquisition um it is you know non-fiction and a stranger than fiction so um 
definitely worth checking out. It is a beautiful reference for somebody who, um, you know, she had help though. There was someone that heard her dreams and started relating it to the Bible, started sharing her stories. You know, she got in trouble. Um, She got in trouble for being a prophetic dreamer. And that's what happens to psychic women, um, which is maybe why this isn't normalized. Um, (laughs) So, um, and there's so much more to say about that, but um, check that book out if that sounds interesting to you. And I'll pass it over to you, Jess. Thank you for studying with that insignificant precognitive dreams. <laughs> I guess that we all have those experiences. And I think that's life. You know, that like we should learn to appreciate these little insignificant things because life is made up of a sum of all of these insignificant things. And yes, not, not all precognitive dreams are all grandiose. And even if you, if you dream of a big event, like there's nothing you can do about it, really. So that might be significant, but you are still not not able to change that. <laughs> I've had insignificant precognitive dreams too, but I think that it having those dreams wakes up wakes us up. To the, re, to the deeper reality that life is. Um, a lot of people contact me on my social media to tell me, to ask me about their dreams because they, they dream they are more scared of is dreaming that someone they love dies. And So I tell tell them, well, tell me your dream and they share it with me. And I read this in a Robert Moss book. I don't remember which one, but in one. (laughs) My had been on dreaming through, through. And there's a list, a checklist that we can do when you have a dream that that is a tragedy and that you feel like really moved and scared of it. So... Point number one is a reality check, whether the events of the dream are really possible to happen in waking life. But in detail, not, not just the, the event like someone dies, like the whole story, is it possible to happen in waking life? And in that point, lots of people tell me, no, it doesn't, because it was like a bunch of weird dolls came out and... <laughs> You know, like really surreal things that are not not plausible of happening in waking life. And if it's something that could happen, then you have the chance to get ready for it. Like if there's a way you can prevent it. For example, if I think that he mentions like a car accident or something like that, well, check your engine change your brakes and don't go out when it's raining and things like that that you can prevent and if something it is something you cannot do anything about then prepare 
and it seems like it might be able it might happen waking life then prepare for it and i relate to this as we do in the as the doulas you know like people face the end of their life and there's some people are more ready for it than others but you prepare like getting their papers ready and their stuff the, to the best of their ability and I always tell them if you dream that someone you love died in reality we never know when that is going to happen and reality is that it could happen tomorrow for not for the reason that you dream of but for something else so I always tell them so don't wait to tell them that you love them don't wait to spend time with with them and all of that don't wait and they're all like, oh yeah you're right like, yeah don't wait for a dream to shake you up or for a big tragedy happening in your life but sometimes we need those waking waking calls the hard way the feeling i i do think they have a feeling but it's hard to recognize in my dreams when i get information like is from someone else Mm, there's like like a scene happening on the side of the main story of the dream and I sort of know that that is inf- extra information and there is also this sensation mm, like one usually dream dreams of your own emotional life and your own story and that has a feeling you are used to just like when you are swimming in a pool you get used to the the tempa temperatura temper <laughs> to the temperature of the water and if someone pours hot water if you get close to a, a place where the water has a different temperature you feel the difference and for me that's how dreams feel when you get information from something else or from someone else like there's this little shift on the texture of the dream but it's really it's a really crazy thing that I don't know if other people experience but I have experienced it like that but still it's like so soft and so sort of subtle yeah it's, it's really hard to to remember and to recognize There was an interesting claim Eric made about, he says all dreams are precognitive and that's this understanding we have of consciousness as a as an iceberg with the conscious um, self at the top, the iceberg and the bottom is the unconscious. And he says we need to tip it on its head so that the unconscious is actually extending above and below and into the future. Um, and you know, if the perception of time is in our cause at our on our belief about causality is shifted from a different framework then why couldn't our future selves um be connected to our past if it's kind of an illusion the way that it plays out um meaning we are 
our self, I guess, in the present moment can look at our past. I, I don't know. It was a little bit over my head, to be honest with you. But I like thinking about I like thinking about that with causality and time. Um, I remember with Sivia, who's one of the who's the educational director for IDS. She, with our first personal check-in, I asked her like, what would she what would she have told herself if she were my age or something? And she said to me, thank you. And she said, I would have said thank you to myself for doing this work. And I was expecting some piece of advice, like, um, but it was gratitude. And I was like, totally taken aback. And it sort of shifted how I think about my future self. Um, and it's interesting, you know, it's like, we are engaged with our future self every time we make a decision to do anything, really. I mean, maybe unless we're coming from a from a sense of like scarcity or lack or fear, we're coming from a, a more of a grasping place. But otherwise, when we're making a choice, when we're making an intentional choice, I guess, it seems like we're sort of the puppet and the puppet master future self, however it works. Anyway. Yeah, like this topic can send us to the rabbit hole of, of a lot of things and theories. I think that in a way it makes sense to have precognitive dreams from a cognitive perspective of the brain because if when we dream our brains are putting together things that we already know with things that might happen just as a survival mechanism, like preparing us for what might come, it makes sense that some things do happen and that we are ready for them. And also considering as us when we study dreams and there's this quote from Jung like, if you don't make conscious the unconscious, they, then the unconscious becomes destiny or reality or something like that. Then what that means, <laughs> that means that the unconscious precedes reality or in a way it's a topic that we cannot get to a conclusion with which is you know a gift in and of itself I think and also if if there's if we're swimming in this illusion of time then how could we get to a conclusion um, you know, the, it's like that, that quote, you never step in the same river twice. Because the, the water is always changing. And that seems appropriate for, for Pisces dreams, for dreams in general that, um, you know, especially because I know that, I don't know the science of it, maybe you do, about the limbic system while we're sleeping. But it's like the, the limbic system and the... Um, the piece of the part of our brain that stores memory. It's like those are the ones that are that are communicating. So um, our our emotions are calling up these images in combination with our long term memory, um, and they churn out like what you're saying, like this possibility, future possible feelings or possible situations. But I don't know. It's just 
I like what you said about the in, the point of it being insignificant is being insignificant, and that's what life is. This is like, wow, I can get a kick out of this, and that's it's worth it because of that, you know. Um, and the way that made me feel um, is more important anyway. So, yeah. And with that, I'm going to move to the topic of strange experiences in dreams because otherwise we will keep talking about <laughs> this forever. I want to start sharing a dream that someone um, contacted me on Instagram about and I really don't know what to, <laughs> what to tell her about it. It's like the first time that I'm like clueless of how, what to do with the dream. She told me that she dreamed with a symbol and she has a rec- a recurring dream with this symbol and she sits it on her dream like everywhere on the walls on the tables on books and it's a symbol that she's never seen before yeah and she said that at first she was I asked her what do you, what do you feel in the dream or in the dreams and she says that she's scared because it's like everywhere But at the same time, she feels curious about it. And I have really no clue what to tell her. (laughs) Like how, uh, oh yeah, I told her like maybe she meditates on the symbol. She can like get something of what it is. But I have experienced symbols in my dreams, like seeing symbols in walls or in books but not that specific like one symbol all the time no but that's that counts as a crazy (laughs) as yeah as a crazy experience in dreams and i made a list of mine and i think that the weirdest experience i've ever had in dreams is being someone else I had this dream where I look at myself in the mirror and physically I was someone else. The color of my skin was different, the shape of my body was different, my hair was different, everything. And looking at myself, I knew like like I'm someone else. That's like the weirdest experience I had. Mm, I have traveled time traveling dreams that's kind of cool i have experienced telekinesis which as i was thinking about it it's a metaphor at least for me of overthinking <laughs> like having a lot of things moving with my mind yeah a metaphor of overthinking but while in the dream is like pretty cool to experience also i've had the experience of walking through walls like really cool too um, and my my favorite is teletransportation this happens to me when I sort of become lucid in the dream and I'm like I don't like the scene I'm living <laughs> so I I teletransport somewhere else but I'm not never in control of where I go so it's like an adventure like okay, I'm living and see see what else is possible I've also experienced dogs speaking. <laughs> dogs talk to me a lot in my dream. <laughs> That's a fun one. 
What about you? Um, gosh, I wish I had made a list. Um, <laughs> you know, I I have some favorites. Like um, a couple years ago, I dreamt of these mermaids who like gave me this book about what types of mermaids there are in the ocean, and I was just like really excited. I was preparing for a trip to California and boys been scared of the ocean. So actually, I think that was helping with some of my fear. Um, and then um, like deities and dreams are like different, um, different, like, yeah, deities from different cultures that I dream of. I always really feel confused about what to do about those when I wake up, but also very like grateful. Um, and then I think I told you the the most challenging ones are like when I die in dreams and then I, you know, the dream continues. Um, so that's happened a handful of times. I feel like those moments prepare me a little bit for what it feels like to, to fully surrender. And that makes me grateful, um, I think. It's, it's really challenging to have that experience. And I'm sure you think about this a lot or around people think about this a lot. It's like when you're, when you're stuck in between those worlds, it can be really hard to live this life. It's like, what, how, do I, how do I do both of these things? And I guess that's a bigger topic too. I'm just like, my brain is just loop-de-loop all the time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's something I think about a lot. Like, because I've had that experience, what am I supposed to do with it? Um, Am I supposed to do anything with it? Am I going to die young? It just brings up all these, all of these thoughts and and fears. And it's like, you know, and then you're just supposed to go to like Sunday dinner at your parents' house or whatever and talk about the sports games. It's like, well, I died last night, but we don't talk about that. Wow, yeah, you're, you're totally right with with some dreams leave you exactly like that. Like, how am I going to go back to to normal life after after I died in my dream or after I experienced this or experienced that? So I think that today we have talked about the little insignificant dreams, precognitive dreams, and also these other experiences that can that might not be precognitive, but that are challenging and transformative in themselves. Like without doing anything else to the dream, but re- remembering it, that's already a transformative experience. So of course, the dreams connect us with both of our realities, you know, like the day-to-day things that what you're going to eat, where are you going to to go to work and things like that? And to these other deeper realities and questions that we make to ourselves all the time. So yeah, our dreams are there with us for both and for all the other things. Yeah, that makes sense. But it reminds me of like diagnostic dreams or like I know Vivia has talked about dreams where they where she gets dietary advice um, or dreams where it's like, oh, you better. I had a dream a couple weeks ago that was like, oh, you better take care of your knee. And then 
I work, I did a little exercise and my knee started to hurt. So it's like, oh, there's, there are these mundane things. And, you know, as a Pisces, I am way more inclined to disappear into like the transcendent types of experiences or escapist realities. And um, that's why you're such, you're so good. You bring it back down to the real. I appreciate that about you. it's it's really our conversations are really enriching for me too and yeah I feel moved to say right now that we talk about the insignificant moments of life and other moving experiences in dreams but but life is in both of them. Like what's important is that we are alive, that we are experiencing them. And that has that's the value of any experience really. What we make out what we make out of it. So yay for great experiences, but also yay for the small ones. I think there's a there's just a quote I wanted to share um, based on what you're talking about. Um, Human life is most fulfilling when it is lived in service to a dream. They've discovered for themselves that the glory of human existence comes in the passionate devotion to a dream and throwing one's whole life into the creative process of making new realities out of the ideals of the imagination. And another quote, this is something that really grounds me. They do this because it's fun, because it's deeply enjoyable to wrestle with fellow humans in the eternally mysterious process of transforming imagination into reality. It just like helps take all the seriousness out of how I normally think about things. Yeah, take take away all the seriousness. I like that. So with that, have fun in your life. We close the circle and with gratitude. Follow us on Instagram at dreamwitchescoven and follow Alisa on at yourdreamfish and you can follow me at Waking Dream Journal. Happy Pisces season!